get ready. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of the Play to Win podcast. My name is Tyler, and I am joined by my awesome, amazing co-host this week, Kieran. What is going on, dude? How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Had a very uneventful start to my day. Just played some played some games. Just play some games, watch some stuff, and did yep. some things. <laughs> and did the things. Yes, we are recording this episode literally the day after we just recorded episode 40. Uh, because we wanted to get two episodes out this week. As we said in our Game of the Year episode yesterday. Uh, because there was a lot of news that actually happened at the beginning of January. Very um, not normal for yep. the games industry. So because of that, we had to do a separate episode that is just about that new stuff. Uh, because we would not have time to talk about that in our Goaty episode, which is live right now, episode 40. So by all means, go check out that episode. Go check it out so you can hear all about our 2021 Goaties, uh, what one hour top of the list for each of us, what made the cut, what was an honorable mention, what got shout outs, what didn't make the cut, um, all that stuff. And let us know what your game of the year for 2021 was in the comment section of that video uh, down below. Or you can also hit us up over on Twitter or Instagram at play to win game and let us know your thoughts over there. Let us know what some of your games of the year were. Uh, Cause you know, we would love to talk to you all about these things. We'd love to have a conversation about all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, remember to subscribe to us on YouTube at uh, play to win game. Of course, you know, not play to win game, but just subscribe to us on YouTube, subscribe to <laughs> us on YouTube. I'm getting all my places and things mixed up right now. Uh, turn the notification bell on there. Subscribe to us on podcast services as well like share comment review all of that is greatly greatly appreciated uh please do those things it, uh, it helps us out a ton um but with all that being said this week or at least in this episode also this week i should say <laughs> for the second episode this week we're going to be talking about some of the some of these big news stories that dropped last week because some of them are pretty big Others not so big, but like it's it's noteworthy enough where like it needs to be at the episode for sure, and it needs to be talked about to some degree. Uh, so this week on the Play to Win podcast, we're going to be talking about E3 2022, possibly, not actually not possibly, definitely not being in person, potentially maybe who knows being online. We'll we'll see what happens with that. The official announcement of PlayStation VR 2. That is the name now. We know that is the official name, and we got some more concrete details about the device. Uh, we'll briefly talk about game companies and their moves or moves out of in, in, uh, NFTs, and we got some other stuff to talk about. Yeah. So we don't have any brief mentions this episode, uh, at least not traditionally. Our brief mentions of sorts will be mixed in with the news because some of these things are big stories. Some of them are not. So we just put them all into one section here and we're just going to go through it all and we'll come across the kind of brief mentioning type stories when we get to them. But first thing that we will talk about is E3. E3 2022 has been confirmed by the ESA to not be happening in person. Uh, they put out a statement and I'll, I'll read the statement, although, I mean, it's pretty, um, you know, boilerplate, simple statement here. Um, I'm reading this from IGN's article by Rebecca Valentine. Uh, their statement says, quote, due to the ongoing health risks surrounding COVID-19 and its potential impact on the safety of exhibitors and attendees, E3 will not be held in person in 2022 
We remain incredibly excited about the future of E3 and look forward to announcing more details soon, end quote. So that is the case. And they have not explicitly confirmed that an, uh, an online event will happen. Uh, although they have told GamesBeat that they are, quote, excited about the possibilities of an online event, end quote. Uh, multiple industry sources have kind of stated that they've heard the ESA gave up on holding an in-person show months ago, and that while the COVID stuff is a, you know, is a valid concern and is par- probably partially true, it's also most likely the case that they were just not going to do it in person at E3 this year at all, and uh, we're just kind of like waiting to make the official announcement or decision on it. Uh, and of course, ever the man to, you know, slide in on any opportunity, <laughs> Jeff Keighley slid on in right after. Oh, he just posted a picture saying Summer Games Fest returns in 2022. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that's happening this year. That's happening this summer for sure. Uh, so, Karen, what what is your what is your take on it, all this? When you heard E three wasn't happening in person this year, were you kind of sh- were you shocked by that at all? And um, were you were you concerned, worried, disappointed? What what were your feelings on it? Because for me, I read that and I was just like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess this is it then. <laughs> I guess this is it. Yeah, I mean, same as last year. Like last year ran better than the year previous, so I hope it's similar to that. But I mean, it didn't exactly. Well, show. it was no um, E three twenty twenty. Yeah, well, yeah. You mean like uh, it was better than the in person in twenty nineteen, or you mean no, like just like the summer stuff? Yeah, the the summer stuff that went on in twenty twenty. The gotcha. Okay. The, yeah, that was a pain in the arse to follow, but um, I mean, it didn't necessarily surprise me that it wasn't going to be in person. I thought it might be, but obviously not. Uh, I just. Not looking forward to the uh, same thing as last year with uh, if, if we get to cover E3's media again this year. Uh, not looking forward to the online portal. That hot mess. The whatever whatever that yeah. was with the terrifying Bitmoji looking oh, likes. God. That was that was that was a mess. That was a mess yep. to say the least. Um, but no, yeah, I I read this and I was just like, yeah, E3's done. E3 is done. I, 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 if it happens this year, I'm of the mindset that this is likely to be the final E3. If it does happen this year. Uh, what the heck? Whoa, hold on a second. I'm getting a call right now, unexpectedly. Um, interesting. Just kind of took me away from you all for a moment. <laughs> um, I'll respond to that. Uh, I'll text back to that. Uh, while I talk about this. Uh, but yeah, I was of the mindset that we, if it happened, if it didn't happen this year, it's just, it's kind of dead in the water. Mm. Considering the the route that E3 has kind of been on for the past couple of years, you know, in terms of publishers pulling out, there was the whole leak that happened, which caused a whole lot of distrust in yeah. E3 and everything. And then you have the increase in publishers doing their own directs and like their own digital events and stuff, which was just like everything caused by the um, everything from the pandemic. Um, just like the the roadmap on it was sped up in terms of things happening faster. So, like you know, in the in the movie industry, the push to streaming things, movies going mm-hmm. day one to streaming got pushed up much faster. Now, here in the games industry, a whole digital got pushed up a whole lot faster, not just in terms of games, but also 
um, events. You got more publishers like, all right, we can't do in person. Yeah. Uh, I right, will do a digital event and we'll, you know, we'll announce our stuff like that. And people, you know, 2020 was kind of like the test run for many that had it done it already. In 2021, people got better at it. So here we are now. It's just like, hey, you know, we found out that there's like a giant price tag in order to even be a part of E3. And if publishers to see that finding success doing their own events, why are they going to pay the price to go to E3 if they don't need to? If they could just get the news directly to the people on their own. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they don't have to, like you said, they don't have to pay the massive fee to just be a part of E3. They don't have stage costs. They don't have to do any of the things that you would associate with being in person. I mean, if they're hosting their own events, then like if they want to get people in for that, then they'll still fly them out and everything. But it's going to save them a hell of a lot of money just doing it on their own. And over the last, like you say, year, year and a half, two years even, it seems like a lot of people have been like, hey, why would we pay this much money if Mm -hmm. we can just do it ourselves and do it, frankly, probably better than we could if we could do it at E3 because at E3 you're like restricted to okay you have like a time slot you have a specific day you can do it you have like a maximum number of people you can bring or like you can have in the in the arena so Mm -hmm. it's like why would we not just transition to it to where we can control literally everything yeah or you know just like people would just be a part of other people's showcases yeah there's that too it's 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 just it's a shame that like the e the ESA and like the changes they were trying to bring to E3 were a combination of too little too late and also not the changes that E3 kind of needed yeah. in, in the modern day where you yeah, we have all these digital showcases happening. So you have a combination of those things, Jeff Kelly bouncing out, I am 8-bit bouncing out, publishers pulling out, all going off to do their own thing summer games fest um starting like being a 2020 uh like replacement of sorts for everything that year and then 2021 it actually like is more successful it's actually like okay it's actually a pretty pretty good show right here summer game fest kickoff and all um so it's it, it really is a thing where it's like i saw someone online say um what do we think the future is of like e3 like is it do we eventually see E3 getting the like the name getting bought by someone else, whether it be Jeff Keighley or Reed Pop, who puts on San Diego Comic Con and New York Comic Con and a bunch of other comic conventions? Like, do we see E3 the name being bought by someone else and they put on like a better, different show? Do we see it just going away entirely? Like, what do we see the future of E3 being at this point in time? And it's it's one where you know there's as someone who is not in the industry, I think there's a lot of different ways it could go. But yeah. I do think that if E3 is not, if E3 does not happen this year, there is a very tough chance. You know, I don't, but it might be very tough for it to come back next year. And if it comes back next year, it needs to like, it'll need to, do something big and whether it be like just having big changes to how it's uh, like handled and um how it runs and everything in order for it to find the success it needs um because if not then i think e3 will truly be gone after next year i think like e3 has maybe it's funny people have been saying this for years now (laughs) i haven't been saying it but i I i'm kind of with them now i think e3 has maybe 
one, maybe two more shows in it yeah. to really prove its worth before it's just kind of done. And that's that's a sad thing. It's a shame. As someone who watched E3 for years growing up, uh, you know, we talked about it on our E3 predictions episode. I'm like kind of been watching it for 20, well, not 20, but uh, 15 years now. Yeah. So like, uh, it's a shame. It's something I always wanted to go to. I always wanted to be, you know, be able to be a part of it, everything. And if, you know, it goes away entirely, it's, it'll be a shame for me to be able to not be able to kind of live out that dream of sorts. Yeah, I haven't fixed my camera very well. There we go. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, it's a freeze frame on Karen's oh, face. Oh, cool. Now I just disconnected my camera. Awesome. Fantastic. You, you see, you see, I told you it was fine. I, I told you it awesome. was fine. Great start. <laughs> uh, well, while we, have this, while we have this lovely freeze frame of Karen just smiling here, <laughs> staring at us, <laughs> staring into everyone's souls. You're just like, hey, you know, this could literally all kind of like, it's similar to your profile picture, I think, on... um on Twitter kind of sort of similar to it like the angles a bit different but you know the fate it, it, it's similar it's similar enough um would you like me to keep on moving on do you have anything else to say about this while you get that together uh no no just continue I'm gonna be a minute <laughs> okay so it, it's all good uh next story we have we got a couple brief mentioned type stories to go through the first of which is the game pass lineup for January 2022 and I think it's honestly one of the best ones I've seen uh, since I've started following uh, what gets added to Game Pass month to month. So we have Goro Goa, Olija, Ember, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which is the big highlight from this month, The Pedestrian, Outer Wilds, another big highlight, Spelunky 2, The Anacrusis, and then surprise, surprise announcement over here, Rainbow Six Extraction is coming to Game Pass on day one when it releases on January 20th. That is a huge deal for that game because I'm sure like many people out there have kind of been on the fence about whether or not they want to play it, whether or not they want to get it, um, how much fun it will be, whether or not it'll be worth the price of admission and all. So it being added to Game Pass day one, just like um, Outriders, I'm sure will be a very, very big boon for this game um, on day one. Not to be left out of the conversation, though, Rainbow Six Siege is also coming to Game Pass on that same day. And then Ubisoft Plus has also been announced to be coming to Xbox at some point in 2022. Um, I think this is a really great month for Game Pass, uh, especially, again, because of Rainbow Six Extraction coming to Game Pass on day one. Uh, that adds, uh, like, as you know, it's, it's just the start of big AAA games coming to the service uh, day one in 2022. We kind of saw Microsoft start to dip their toes, not even dip their toes. I say start walking and wading into the pool um, by doing that in 2021. And they're already off to the off to the races with it at the beginning of 2022 with Rainbow Six Extraction. So great month right there. Uh, Karen, you got any brief thoughts to say while you get yourself together on that? Uh, good month for Game Pass. I'm excited I don't have to pay for extraction anymore. Uh, I'm also looking forward a lot to Nobody Saves the World. Oh my gosh, yes. Thank you. I forgot about that one. Uh, yes, Nobody Saves the World game from Drinkbox, ga- Drinkbox Games, Drinkbox mm-hmm. Studios, I believe. They're the developers behind Guacamelee, Guacamelee 2, 
that is also coming to Game Pass day one uh, in January as well. I'm going to pull up the date for us on that. January 18th. Thank you so much, Karen. January 18th. I added that to my play later. Um, I actually still haven't even played the demo. I have the demo. I wanted to play. I just haven't got a chance to. Uh, but since it's on Game Pass, I will now be playing that as well. So great stuff for us over there on that end. Uh, now we're going to go over to the PlayStation side of things with their subscription services. For PlayStation Now in January, we have Mortal Kombat 11, Final Fantasy 12, Zodiac Age, Fury Unleashed, Unturned, Super Time Force Ultra, and Kerbal Space Program Enhanced Edition. And then on the PlayStation Plus side of things, as we've already talked about um, before, we have, well, before on like the last episode of the podcast, we kind of talked about this. Uh, Persona 5 Strikers is added to PlayStation Plus this month, Deep Rock Galactic, and Dirt 5 as well. Um, Deep Rock Galactic, I believe, is the PS5 exclusive game for the month. I will confirm that right now, but I'm pretty sure that is the case. Uh, but while I look this up, I again, Persona 5 Strikers, it, it's on there. Everyone go get it. Use that as your reason to play Persona 5 Royal if you have not already, because that game is amazing. It is fantastic, and everyone should play it. Everyone needs to play it. And welcome back, Karen. <laughs> he has returned. Um, Apologies. Deep Rock, <laughs> Deep Rock Galactic and Dirt 5 are for PS4 and PS5 on PlayStation Plus. Persona 5 Strikers is just PS4 because it is only a PS4 game. Um and I think the set of games that PlayStation has over here for their subscription services, pretty cool. Pretty cool set of games here. Deep Rock Galactic, I might get into. Dirt 5, I almost definitely um, play at some point in time because I like Dirt games. Um, but yeah, nice set of games here. I don't know if I'd say it's as strong as Game Pass, but I mean, it's not a weak one by any stretch of the imagination. It's a no. great lineup. Um, Game Pass, they just they just got Mass Effect and Rainbow Six Extraction day one, and nobody drink nobody saves the world. Like they have some really great games over there. So both PlayStation and Xbox subscription services getting some really great starts to 2022 over here. Yeah. Now, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, 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 was, really- I, I was just gonna say that I I've added them all to my uh, PS Plus collection, but I have no real intention of playing any of them anytime soon. That, that's totally fine. Uh, as you know, as many people say, always add the PlayStation yeah. Plus games to your library, even if you have no interest in playing them, because you never know. One day yeah. you might just be in the like, might be in the moon. Like, you know what? Let me play this. Oh, I don't have it. I gotta buy it. But if you download it, if you added it to your library from PlayStation Plus, you'd have it for free. Yep. So, I mean, just like Deep Rock Galactic, probably won't play that anytime soon. But I got it in my library for what I want to. We're going to stick with PlayStation for a little bit longer, though, because this week, PlayStation officially announced the official name of PSVR 2, and it is called PlayStation VR 2. <laughs> as everyone was already calling it, and as everyone kind of figured it would be called, it's called PlayStation VR 2. They announced this this week at uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, had a kind of big part of their presentation. I don't know if I'd say big part of Sony's presentation, but a fair chunk of it. I guess, talking about PlayStation VR 2, that's the official name. The controllers are now, we now know they're called the Synth controllers. Uh, Interesting name. And we got some official specs for them. Uh, Before I get into these specs, Karen, were you surprised by the name of PSVR 2? What did you think of like the announcement and everything else they announced here as well? Uh, Not surprised by the name in the slightest. Uh, (laughs) Like, it's... 
everyone's been calling it PSVR 2. And if you go off of PlayStation's console naming strategy, then yeah. it, it really doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, yeah, that one bit. I, I mean, I was surprised to see it at CES, to be fair. And I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe a little bit surprised by like some of the specs, but a lot of it is kind of what I thought it would be going off of PSVR 1's specs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was one of those things where... <laughs> I was surprised to see it at CES too, but then when I think about it, I'm like, "Well, it makes sense actually." Yeah, that that is a tech show for sure. Yeah, it it, it was funny before the show started. Uh, I forgot who was on Twitter. You know, one of the people who normally like tweets are like, "Hey, the event's happening five minutes. Here's the yeah. link." Um, they were like, "Yeah, here's the link." You know, don't expect anything big PlayStation wise. <laughs> five minutes later, this is happening. It's like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> it's like, oh, delete tweet, delete tweet. <laughs> um. So yeah, I is the only thing I was surprised by by the name is the fact that it's all one word, like yeah. it's not PlayStation and then separate VR and then separate two. It was like PlayStation VR two, all one thing. Just yeah. like oh okay. I mean that's not a big deal. It was just like oh no. interesting. Um, but the specs of this. Let's get into the specs of this because I think I mean as as someone who's not too in, deeply involved or deeply in like the VR space and too knowledgeable about it, um. I think these are some I think these are some solid specs right here. I think these are some really solid specs. Um, so we have a 4K HDR OLED display, which is lovely. Uh, we have 100, 110 degrees field of view, a 2000 by 2040 uh, resolution per eye, 90 hertz slash 120 hertz frame rates. So I believe it can reach up to 120 hertz frame rates. Um, inside out headset tracking for player and controllers. So if anyone has the Quest 2, headset tracking just like that. That's kind of like how it's going to yeah. be. You don't need the PlayStation camera connected to your PS5 to track you like you do with the current PSVR. Um, the headset will have eye tracking as well, which is very cool. Uh, there'll be 3D audio, headset feedback via a motor in the headset that causes vibrations. So in the official announcement, they kind of, in the blog post they have, they talk about how the, like the vibrations, it could cause like vibrations on the side of your head or on the back of your head. Like if you're rushing, if you're in a vehicle rushing past something real fast, you'll feel like a vibration on the side of your head and like kind of like uh, simulating that in a sense, all in the sense of immersion. Um, And this isn't on the spec sheet, but they talked about it in their presentation, foveated rendering. And I didn't know what this was, but as I read around online on like reset era and stuff, I what I gather that to mean is that with the eye tracking, the headset will will be, will focus more of the graphical resources of any game on wherever you are looking. So, like, if you say Pretty. I'm looking, I'm looking at like this bird, this building up in the sky, right? I'm looking at this yeah. building. The graphics will be more focused on that as opposed to everything in the peripheral vision so that just to reduce load on the gpu or whatever you know on the innards of the of the system so i think that's also a cool thing i think that's a very cool thing uh ign they have a little spec comparison sheet comparing it to the current psvr the quest 2 and the valve index um and just i'm not going to go too deep into this but like some of those comparison points here it still has an OLED display, just like the original PSVR. Um, its pixels per eye is higher than the v- PSVR Quest 2 or the Index. Um, let's see. 
any other little comparisons here. It has eye tracking, unlike any of the other headsets that we, we mentioned here. Uh, it's field of view. It's the second highest under the Valve Index at 130 and 10 degrees over the current PSVR at 100. Uh, the Quest 2 has a 90 degree field of view. Let's see. Of course, it only uses one cord to connect to the PS5. That was already confirmed uh, when they first announced this last year. And yeah, those are just like some of the little, um, some of the com- different like comparison points and yeah. all like that. So do, again, does this does this excite you? Do you get excited at the thought of PS uh, PSVR two, especially since you now have a PS five? Um, does you do you get excited by jumping into VR? Do you want to jump into VR um, now that you have a console where you could do it if you weren't planning on getting a Quest two already? Yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited by this. I'm like uh, super excited by the OLED display, which we'll talk about later because I have mm-hmm. some experience with that now. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like overall, it just seems like a really competent headset. Like I, I really like the idea of like the headset feedback, like it will give you vibrations. I kind of expected it to have 3D audio because that seems mm-hmm. to be something they're pushing with the PS5. Foveated rendering, I, I'm interested to see how that works. Uh, but like I, I think it's all about how it's implemented. Like I, I have faith in PlayStation that they're going to implement it very well. But mm-hmm. I I want to see how it works before I'm like fully on board with that feature. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I myself am in on PSVR too. Yeah, uh, one one thing that will definitely get me in on it is the price. We'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um. But again, we as we've kind of talked about in the past, they definitely need to bring the support for it. They definitely mm-hmm. need to bring support for it, and I think they will. Like they. PSVR one, they they supported it, you know, throughout the throughout its life cycle. Not really with like first party development, like from any of their big studios like that. But like there were some PSVR exclusive games and showcases. Yeah. You would get like a brief like talk about PSVR games and stuff um, coming to the platform and all. Uh, but I think PSVR one was definitely more of like a. It was putting the foot into the water, dipping the toes into the water, like yeah. the test run, like, all right, let's, let's experiment with this. Let's see like what we could do with this field. Let's see if this is worth going into more. And we, you know, I think they stole a good amount of success with it and they think the tech is really interesting and innovative and exciting. And I am fully behind them on that. And so like, you know what, we're, we're going to continue pushing down this way. We're going to continue trying to innovate in the gaming space, in the VR space with a whole new headset and I think that they are going to be there with the support for at least games wise. I hope they will. Um, I'm sure we'll find out in like a like bigger showcase blowout state of play type thing, whatever it may be. But um, at least for now, we know that two of their studios are working on one big game um, for the PSVR 2. That being Horizon Call of the Mountain. It's being developed by Gorilla and new acquisition Fire Sprite. And it features a brand new character, uh, although Aloy will appear in the game. And we got a short little announcement teaser trailer for it. Most of the video was one of the um, directors over at Gorilla kind of just talking about the project. Yeah. But then the last bit of it, we see like some like some of the actual gameplay. And it's very much um, Jurassic Park-esque, <laughs> where like you, you and like this other side character, they're in a boat. And just like rowing down the uh, rowing down like a river or a, yeah rowing down a river, and then one of the tall necks, the giant like 
brachiosaurus looking machine things is walking by and like this walk right on over you all and then like it kind of ends there and i can just imagine what that would be like in vr i can only imagine what that would be like like actually experiencing that for myself so we don't know much about the game outside of that but i think that that right there is a sign like all right they're they're putting one of their big temple franchises and one of their big first party studios behind a vr project yeah uh for the next device and maybe it's a launch title hopefully it would be uh so this is awesome i think this is really cool as much as i don't think they would do this i think it would be cool to have uh call of the mountain be like the astros playroom of psvr2 where it's hopefully where it's built in and it like shows you everything you can do with with psvr2 that would be cool that would be awesome if they did that. Yeah. Give every that way everyone jumps in with a again a nice first party thing that gives you like a nice test run. That's what Ashley's Playroom did, and yep. a lot of people really enjoyed it. So potentially, now when do we think this comes out? When do we think PSVR two releases, and how much? Well, I I saw a, a headline. I, I I didn't read the article, or it might have been a tweet. I can't exactly remember, but I saw something. Let's say a week or two ago that said that reportedly PSVR 2 is a way to start production. Mm-hmm. I uh, saw that as well. Yeah. So if that's true, then I imagine this re- this releases, let's say, and I'll say by the latest August. You Whoa, you think August? Well, if it's a way to start production, then I would assume it's going to be fairly soon. I was thinking more like October, November, not August. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Okay. He's thinking August. He's thinking August. I'm I'm thinking later in the year. I'm thinking closer to holiday season. That, sure. That's just what I'm thinking. That way they get enough time to make as many units as they want to. Because again, we're still yeah. dealing with, you know, production shortages and everything like that and for a number of different things. So I imagine they want to try and get as many as they can made prior to release. That way they can release with, you know, they can have X amount of million units ready to go. And try and try and minimize the issues they're having with the PS5 at yeah. the moment. Although I'm sure they'll still have it to a degree. Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking more so October, November, September at the absolute earliest. But I think that's a stretch. I think October, November is more likely. Um, as for price, I'm thinking this is same price as the PS5. That's what I'm thinking. I I would hope for it to be 400 instead of 500. But I think this will be about the same price as the PS5. What did the original PSVR launch for? PS, I'm um, 400, same price as the PS4. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they would want to aim around about the same cost as that. That's that's what I'm thinking because they, you, again, like unlike the Quest Two, this is not something you buy and it's on its own. Like yeah. you need a PS5 for it. So this is an expense on top of a PS5. So with that in mind, I don't think that they would want to charge too, too much for it. But again, we got to be reasonable here, given the technology in it, given, you know, return on investments and all like that and stuff. I'm thinking it's going to be, again, the same price as the PS5, very likely to be that price. And I think the lowest they would go is 400 at the absolute lowest. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely can't see them going lower than 400, but I... 
I'm going to say between 400 and 450 just because I don't think they will want to make it the same price as the PlayStation. So you're basically paying, what, $1,000? Right, exactly. For, for both of them. Because like, mm-hmm. I, I think, the like, and this might just be me speculating, I don't know, but I think the way that people's minds work, if they see, like, $1,000, they're going to go, oh, no, it's too expensive. But if they see 950 they might be like, oh, you know, you know, I might be able to, yeah, to squeeze that. So, I, I, I think they want to make both of them together less than a thousand dollars. So I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that the PSVR two is gonna be between four hundred and four fifty. Okay, I, I see that train of thought, and I think that's what they would ideally like to do. Ideally, that's what they would like to do. Yeah, and I think that's what many people would want them to do, but um. I'm betting that it's the same price as the PS5. That's what I'm that's what I'm betting. Just get just based off what's in here and stuff. So we will wait and see. Hopefully, we find out more information uh very soon. Maybe probably, you know, summertime, summer showcase will definitely get more information, I imagine. Or maybe they'll just drop the news on a random day on Instagram and Twitter, like they did with the original PSVR and the controller. Yep. <laughs> just like, hey, we're doing this. Hey, here's a look at the controller. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, okay. Give me this news on a random day. Fantastic. Yep. We got another PlayStation story here. We one we probably won't talk about much at all. Uh, that being some controversy surrounding the Days Gone uh, sales numbers. So this all kicked off after Sony announced that Ghost of Tsushima sold eight million copies. Congratulations to Sucker Punch on that fantastic game. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing game. Uh, Days Gone's director Jeff Ross, who's no longer at Sony anymore. Uh, he went on Twitter. He stated that although his game had sold more than Ghost of Tsushima, that Sony treated it like a, quote, disappointment. So he then went on David Jaffe's podcast and clarified that the numbers that he got, because he said on Twitter that when he was there after a year and a half, the game had sold 8 million copies. And now uh, after being on PC and some time, it sold a million plus more. Uh, so that's what he had said. So then he went on David Jaffe's podcast to clarify that his numbers might not be that accurate uh, because he got them from a trophy data tracking site called GameStat. So he used a combination of that site's data and game sales and telemetry to approximate the numbers because he had kind of done it in the past when the game, when Days Gone was at like 5 million sales. Uh, he had done like an num- approximation like that to figure stuff out. So according to Raw, so that that's that. That's that bit of information right there. But then things get a bit deeper, where according to Ross, when also he was on the podcast, he said that the sequel's Days Gone that we had kind of heard about last year, it was dead. It was totally dead once uh, former PlayStation head Sean Layden left the company, and that Ben Studio was tasked to pitch other ideas. One idea that Ben was given by Sony itself was um, rebooting like different PlayStation IPs, and one of which was Siphon Filter. But the team just kind of wasn't interested in doing it. They couldn't like get the idea right. Um, but one pitch the team that the team did have was for an open world resistance game. Uh, of course, didn't come to fruition. That was denied. But that was a pitch that they did have, and that's kind of like the story surrounding this. Like, oh man, the sales were actually really great. Oh wait, it turns out they probably weren't. Oh, you were. I you guys were possibly interested in doing a resistance reboot as an open world game. That seems interesting. Um, I never played the Resistance games. I don't know how interested you were in the Resistance games. I know like you weren't really PlayStation and all like that. No. But um, what do you what do you think of an open world Resistance game? I I think 
Like I, I, I know that the third one seemed to be the most well liked in terms of story and everything, and I think that maybe like an overall resistance game could be interesting. It could be like the thing that the series needs is like to to refresh itself for like today's age. Just refresh the series, uh, give it kind of like a new identity in a sense. Uh, still going against the Chimera, still having unique weapons and all, but just give it giving it a different approach. I think it I think it could work, you know, some in some way, shape, or form. Uh I have never seen anything for resistance in my life. I'm 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 looking at screenshots of it just now and I have never seen this game. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I thought so you knew I, about it. I like I, I've heard the name before for sure, but I've never like actually seen the game. Uh mm-hmm. If they want to reboot it, cool. I I would probably play it. It looks like a game I would be interested in, but apparently it got denied, so that kind of sucks. Yeah, they. I mean, resist. It's one of those series where like fans liked it. I don't remember how it was critically, uh, but like fans liked the series, and then you know they did the trilogy, and then all right, that's it. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on to other stuff. So who knows if Resistance will ever come back? Um, maybe it will. Hopefully it will one day, but I mean, if it does, uh, you know, the one thing that everyone's going to want are the creative weapons that Insomniac was known for giving the series because Insomniac is just always known for creative gadgets and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens with um, Resistance in the future. But for now, we will have to wait on Ben Studio's new IP that they are working on um, that Herman Holst did say, you know, it's building on the deep open world uh, systems that they started creating with Days Gone. So be some time before we find out what that game is. That's a it's a game I have I have installed through the PS Plus collection. Oh, gotta tell me what you think of it when you start playing it. I have so many games; it'll be a while. I know, I know, I know. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy. All right, we're gonna switch over to, to Nintendo real quickly because, according to industry analysis, um, analyst, analyst, uh, Doctor Sir Toto, Mario Kart Nine is actually in development and features a quote new twist for the series and. According to him, it could potentially be teased this year. Uh, I mean, it's not really a surprise that Mario Kart 9 is in development. I mean, I know the joke is that oh, Mario Kart 8 won't be in the, Mario Kart 9 won't be made because Mario Kart 8 is, keeps on selling. Who, yeah. Why make it? But I mean, of course, like obviously it's in development. There's no way they're not going to continue that series. Yeah. Um, just a matter of when we'd see it. So do you buy this? Do you buy that it could potentially be teased this year? Um I don't know about tease this year. I like because I don't know how far it is in development. So I don't know. I'm excited to see what that new twist is, if that's real for the mm-hmm. series. But uh I'd I'd buy Mario Kart 9. Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Most definitely. Yeah. Do you would you want Mario Kart 9 to do the thing that a lot of people have kind of been asking or hoping Mario Kart would do, which is just bring in make it not mario specific anymore bring in like all nintendo characters make it nintendo card essentially yeah, yeah so be, like we dope. got like we so that we instead of just having like oh a level based on zelda or animal crossing as dlc or just one link like you just link as like a dlc character like no like we have multiple stages we got multiple stages based on f-zero and star fox and this franchise and that franchise and kirby's the character and zelda's like so on and so forth do you think that Mario Kart should do that, or would you do you just want Mario Kart to do that? Do you think that like they need to? 
I, I don't necessarily think they need to because I mean, they, they could literally like take Mario Kart 8, put the exact same game and slap a nine on it, and people would buy it. Like they don't, they don't. I mean, it happened with Deluxe. Yeah, exa- exactly. Mario Kart 8, Mario Kart 8 exactly. Deluxe. So it's like they, they don't need to honestly do anything new with the series whatsoever, and people will still want it. But I mean, yeah. I, I like the idea a lot. I, I, I would love to see them do like a Smash Bros. Ultimate kind of thing with Mario Kart, where they get like mm. all these. Just imagine like Master Chief like tearing up people in a warthog going around. But um, see, now I don't want it to be like that, where you no. got third parties coming in. Like if, if we're doing something like Smash X, the most I would want it to be is just like bring in Nintendo franchises. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the most I would want it to be. Uh, I think any more than that, and then it's just like all right, we're kind of stepping out of the realm of what Mario Kart kind of like. Yeah, exactly. Always has been and stuff like that. Uh, I now I think that if Mario Kart Nine, well, not if when Mario Kart Nine comes out, I think there is a fair, very, 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 very fair chance that it is just a launch title for the next Switch, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't sense. know. Like if if there was a Switch Pro, then you know it's it works on Switch Pro and this. But if the next Switch is just a next gen console. I think Mario Kart 9, bam, launch title. Mario Kart 8 has been sold so many copies on Switch. Yeah. So many copies. And it's, it just, it just, they haven't done anything with it. It's just like, all right, here's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Haven't done any DLC for it, nothing. Just put the game out and it still sells to this day. You put that on Switch, Switch's next gen thing, day one, you guarantee your Switch is selling gangbusters and will continue to sell gangbusters for his entire lifetime so i think that's very likely if it um comes out with the next console if it's if it's something that comes out this year then hey it sells gangbusters this year and then they yeah. do a deluxe for that on the next console and bam it just sells forever and ever and ever just like yep. gta 5 all right so now we're going to talk about some nfts uh which i <laughs> don't particularly care about not many people care for them many people are very much against them uh due to their environmental concerns and the money making scam concerns surrounding them also the fact that um many people find them to be pretty stupid pretty stupid and pointless i think many of those concerns and you know arguments are very valid which is part of why i don't care about nfts but a lot of game companies are starting to care about them for many different reasons one of those companies Konami, you know Konami, the company that famously treats its its uh its franchises very well, such as yeah. Metal Gear Solid, uh, so, uh Silent Hill, Castlevania. Speaking of Castlevania, they said, "Hey, you know what? It's the 35th anniversary this year, guys. It's a time to celebrate, right? Yeah, you all <laughs> you all want some games, maybe some merchandise, right? You know, maybe you want to see like the look at." the new Castlevania anime that's going to be coming soon, right? Yeah, you all want to see some, some stuff like that? NFTs for you. you got, we got some NFTs for you of our, you know, of our games. You want that? Uh, okay. Well, we, we're selling it to you. <laughs> yeah. We're selling it to you whether you want it or not. Yeah. Um, you know, as if you, they couldn't disappoint people anymore. <laughs> they somehow managed to disappoint people even more than they already do. Yeah. Uh, it seems kind of dumb when people are like, hey, we'd really want like a new Castlevania game. That'd be great. And they're like, how about you buy stuff from us that isn't a game instead? How about you buy stuff that is just digital art that, yeah. you know, it 
it, it's all so stupid. It's all so stupid. It doesn't make any sense to me. Not one luck of it. Um, but you know, not to be you know left out of the heat. Square Enix over the mm. holidays, uh, the president of Square Enix, Yosuke Matsuda, put out a new year's letter. You know, I think he does this every year. Put out a new year's letter talking about a bunch of different things. And one thing he talked about was blockchain games and NFTs. Uh, and I'm going to read this little section from the letter because this section is like what got all this controversy here. He says here in the letter, quote, I realize that some people who play to have fun and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservations toward these new trends and understandably so. However, I believe that there will be a certain number of people whose motivation is to play to contribute, by which I mean to help make the game more exciting. Traditional gaming has offered no explicit incentive to this latter group of people who are motivated strictly by such inconsistent personal feelings as goodwill and volunteer spirit. This fact is not unrelated to the limitations of existing UGC, user-generated content. UGC has been brought into being solely because of individuals' desire for self-expression and not because any explicit incentive existed to reward them for their creative efforts. I see this as one reason that there haven't been as many major game-changing content that were user-generated as one would expect. However, with advances in token economies, users will be provided with explicit incentives, thereby resulting not only in greater consistency in their motivation, but also creating a tangible upside to their creative efforts. I believe that this will lead to more people devoting themselves to such efforts and to greater possibilities of games growing in exciting ways. From having fun to earning to contributing, a wide variety of motivations will inspire people to engage with games and connect with one another. It is blockchain-based tokens that will enable this. By designing viable token economies into our games, we will enable self-sustaining game growth. End quote. Now, of course, no one was happy about this. Everyone was like, <laughs> no, what are you doing, Square Enix? You're turning into Shinra. You made a game about like the environment and companies like abusing it. What are you doing? You're, you're becoming the thing you um you swore to destroy. What's going on here? Um and I, I again I've read this and I was just like, okay, I, I guess you all are doing this now. Mm. I I mean. So long as you all don't start like throwing this into games the way that like Ubisoft is kind of doing it in a sense, you know. Yeah. Do you? But this is really stupid, I guess. You know, it it just is what it is in my eyes. But I it is what it is, but it's really stupid. It's really really stupid. Yeah. Um. I'm 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 gonna make an admission here, and and say, I'm real stupid. And don't understand in the slightest what NFT or blockchain is. Okay, like I, you're not I, alone. But I, I know it's non-fungible token. I know it's the non-fungible token is something that cannot be exchanged for anything other than itself. Something like that, along those lines. I I guess I I've like, tried to understand it myself, and I've never really understood it. And I tried to explain it to my girlfriend the other day, and I was just like. It, it's like it's like this, but you, you try. You could you can do this, but you can't do that. I, I was trying to explain it to her, and I couldn't even really explain it to her. It's like I have to really like dig into doing research yeah. to try and fully understand it. Because even now, I just like have a cursory, possibly barely baseline understanding of what they are. But my understanding of it is just that it's really silly and kind of pointless. Sure. Yeah, I mean, 
any other form of microtransaction is like something I'm kind of against because I'm like, you you already have like loot boxes and stuff like that. Like, stop making us pay for things that are uh, that aren't the game. Yeah. Like, and like the, I, like everyone's probably seen this meme, but there's a meme of like a sandwich in 1998 will be like, you know, here's the game for $6. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now it's like broken up and stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay, $10, like $20 for the bread, then $10 for the cheese, $5 for that, like stuff like that. And I'm yeah. like, stop making us like, stop selling us half complete games. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I mean, that that's the stance my friend takes on like DLC is like, you're basically charging me seven or 60 pounds for, like half of the game then releasing the other half after i'm like i don't necessarily agree with that because like yeah, it's, it's that's, content that's... additional to the game but yeah. i like i can see where he's coming from when it's like you know he's paid 60 pound for a game he wants the full experience and not i don't know anyway nfts yeah, are I, don't, I don't agree with that i don't yeah. i i understand his point but the, his his argument is flawed yeah exactly um NFTs are dumb. I don't like them mainly because I don't understand them, but uh, they they seem real stupid. Stop it. Yeah, they 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 are. They really are. Uh, Sega though, they're the one company where they're like, you know what? We see that people are kind of against them. So if you all, if our fans are really against them, we won't do them. We won't step into NFTs at all. So yeah. good on Sega for that announcement at the very, very least. Uh, Sega, you know, getting some goodwill from fans out there and reading the room on things, unlike other companies. We got a couple real brief things here to just knock out real quickly. Fallout, the TV series that was a bit, that's been announced uh, to be in production by Amazon. Um, it's starting production this year with Westworld's co-creator Jonathan Nolan. He is set to direct the series premiere, so I'm looking forward to seeing that whenever that comes out. Yep, the Activision Blizzard strike fund has passed three hundred fifty thousand dollars after three weeks, so good on them. Uh, hopefully, they can all get what they want. Uh, there, there's been a report by Bloomberg, Jason Schreier, of course, with scoops uh, on Ken Levine's next game. Ken Levine. He was formerly the head over there at Irrational Games, which was the developer of Bioshock 1 and uh, Bioshock Infinite. I believe he also worked on System Shock 2, if I'm correct. Uh, He's been working on a brand new game with the whole new studio and stuff, and that game has been in development hell. Uh, The Bloomberg Report, we were going to talk about it. Uh, a bit more in depth this week, but just because of time, it's not going to happen. So I definitely encourage everyone go read uh, Jason's article. It's pretty enlightening, not just about what's going on with the game, but also just Ken Levine himself and his leadership and managerial skills, because it seems like he is the reason why this game is in such a poor development state. Uh, and the last but not least, GoldenEye 007, the the revered first person shooter from the N64 might be getting an Xbox Xbox port um, because there have been leaked Xbox achievements for this game. And so it seems like it is, it's going to be coming very, very soon. Who knows when, but it seems like it's coming in hot very soon. I'm excited. I will play the hell out of that. I'll probably play it for a bit just to be like, Hey, I did (laughs) have my perspective on it, but I probably won't play it too much. Fair. But that's all the news we have for this week, which I feel like went maybe a bit longer than I planned it to. But you know what? We we, we got through it all. So now we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And I want to turn this over to Karen mostly because he's been gone for a hot minute. 
Yeah. Um, I've played some things, uh, some things I kind of talked about on the game of the year episode yesterday. Um, but I want to turn this over to you, really. So, Karen, what have you been playing? Okay. Uh, I have one, two, I have nine games on this list. So, this might take a little bit. Um, okay. I've been playing Halo Infinite. Uh, I'm not going to say too much on that. Because, well, did I say yesterday I wasn't going to say too much on that because I was going to save my thoughts for today's episode? I think you said that for either Returnal or Rift Apart, one of the two, or Seven Remake. Maybe a combination of those three. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, we talked about Infinite at length yeah. yesterday, too. So Yeah, so I, I'm not going to say too much, about, too much about Infinite because if you want to see my thoughts on that, go and watch our Game of the Year episode that is live at the same time as this one. Um. I've, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a well. Uh, you I, haven't I, finished it as yeah, of yet. I I, I, I think really it, it. I think it is a very good game, is what I meant to say. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm on the final boss fight, so I haven't entirely finished it yet. I might finish it when we finish recording. Um, very good game. It's a lot of fun. Multiplayer is a lot of fun. Um, that's really all I have to say about Infinite that we didn't cover yesterday. Yeah, I'll just jump on this real quick. I've been playing it as well. Again, you know, I did the review. Go check out the review and all like yeah. that. Um, I also agree with Karen on that. If you want to hear my more of my thoughts on the game, again, go check out the review. Go check out the spoiler discussion I did with our guest, Tyler, from Good Games We Lost. Um, and also, again, check out our Game of the Year episode yesterday where I kind of jumped on the conversation with Karen as well. We talked, I kind of gave some of my thoughts on it in addition to what he had to say about it. Um, I did some multiplayer in it last night, and I was actually doing hot. I was doing well in multiplayer last night. Nice. I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing good over here, getting some nice snipes. It was a fun time. Um, all right, what's next for you? Uh, so I, I've also played like 10 minutes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, hang on, I need to get. Oh, he has to grab something. What does he have to grab? I wonder what it is. While I sit here and ponder what it is, I'll also ponder 10 minutes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I wonder how much you could do in 10 minutes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, not much. <laughs> there it is. Because I bought it for my PS5, even though it says PS5. Oh, nice. So you didn't want to play it on the Xbox anymore? I still have it for Xbox. I just bought it again for PlayStation. So, so you must really like it. It's my favorite Assassin's Creed game. Um, but... The main reason I bought it was because I have an LG C1 OLED TV now, which is yes. like 4K, 120 frames a second. Is like HDR. Yeah, basically like the king of gaming TVs. So uh, I I was like, you know what? I saw Valhalla on sale a couple of days before I got the TV because it was 15 pounds. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to buy that for 15 pounds. And it's my favorite Assassin's Creed game. It's the best looking Assassin's Creed game, in my opinion. Yours, your opinion might differ. But it's a very good game. I've enjoyed pl playing it again. Uh, I didn't realize that it had cross-save. So when I booted up mm -hmm. on my PS5, it carried over all my stuff from my, like, 80-something yeah, like hour playthrough on Xbox. So That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I do plan to play through the game again at some point. I might... <laughs> uh, do that soon uh, but like in like small increments when I have when I like bored of playing something else or I'm, I want to play Valhalla but yeah. good game would would recommend 
Um, Lovely. I also got this just because ah, I got a PS5. Woohoo. Yeah. Um, I mean, we kind of, you kind of jumped the gun on that one, but yeah. Yeah. We, you did. You got, a, you got a PS5. As yes. kind of evidenced by us talking about some of the games he has on it already. <laughs> yeah. Also, I got a PS5 for retail, which I'm very happy with. Yes. He didn't have to pay $2,000 for one. Yeah. Thank God. Um, so I'll, I'll go over some of my, like my brief thoughts on the PS5 once I've finished going through everything I've been playing because I just... I, I'm There's in, a lot here. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I played a little bit of Deathloop. It's the first game I bought for PlayStation because I was okay. uh, scrolling through the PlayStation app on my phone a couple of days before I actually got the PS5 and their New Year sale had just started. So I mean, you know what? Let me just pick up a couple of games so that I have a couple for when I have the PlayStation. Yeah. Um, so I picked up Deathloop and I picked up the complete edition of Horizon Zero Dawn, which I'll talk about after this. Nice. Uh, I've played two and a half, three hours of Deathloop, maybe, I think. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, it's fun so far. I'm enjoying it. I'm not like super invested in it, but... Where are you story-wise? Like, have you gotten... Are you able to infuse weapons or are you still kind of like in the tutorial guided section of the story i think i'm just out of the tutorial guided section like i'm i I, i'm still wandering about aimlessly to be honest okay well because the again like i said like the part when you after you are able to infuse weapons after you do that that's when the it's like hand holding is done then it's like all right now do you however you want to go about like approaching different things in the game so I, it takes a bit to get to that point, though. It takes maybe like, a, at least for me, it took me a few hours to get to that point. Yeah. So um, I think you might still be in that like section. I Do you remember at the start of the game, there's like a projector you have to like charge the battery up for? Yes, I That's, do remember. I've, I've just done that. Okay. So you are, so I think you are either... I actually Jeez, think I, I actually think I am at the part where I can just go and do whatever I want because I think I think it popped up saying something along the lines of like do whatever you want. Okay, maybe you I are because again, the last thing that you that they kind of tell you you need to do is infuse your weapons, and you have to kill one of the visionaries in order to be able to infuse your weapons. And oh, I'm sure you hear that then. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no, you still got. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Like you still got some. You still got some stuff to do. Okay, yeah, uh, enjoying it so far. I'll get to I'll get back to it when I get back to it because I have so many like so many games to play. Um, yeah, your your pressures of it will probably change once you're actually yeah, yeah. free to do what you want. You're still in that guided section. Yeah. Um. One thing I'm not super thrilled about is I like I'm finding it a little bit difficult to aim in Deathloop, but it might just be that I'm new to the game and I'm trying to figure stuff out. It's yeah, probably my one criticism of it so far. Horizon Zero Dawn. I played that. Um. I play. I started playing it again yesterday because I think I've played it, but not all the way through. And I want to play it before Forbidden West comes out because I've had the collector's edition of Forbidden West pre-ordered for the last like two months. So oh, the collector's edition, yes, fancy. Uh, I really want that statue. It looks dope. <laughs> um, so I've been playing that yesterday and today. Uh, I have. I I'm a I'm a way to do the proving mission. So I'm okay. I, so you're I'm, still near the beginning. Yeah, exactly. I, I've only played it for like an hour or two, maybe. Um, Got it. But I was, yeah. uh, I was gonna, say, I was gonna play that last night, like jump in to do some Frozen Wilds and all, because I finished the game years ago. I'm like, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't have my disc version anymore, but I'll you know download 
the complete edition on my PS5, get my save, you know, jump in, continue yeah. from there, right? I go in, turn it on, choose your choose your language. What? <laughs> <laughs> it starts off the opening cutscene. I'm like, come again? Quit game? Go on Google, Google my problem. Like, all right, Google this, look it up, find a Reddit thread. Uh, no, a recent era thread or Reddit, one of the two. I'm reading it. Here's the issue. Normally, yes, my save would work just fine. You know, going from regular to completed. Mm-hmm. Normally, no problem. The problem for me is that the physical version I have came from Europe. Ah, okay. So if you have the same game, but from two different regions, the save will not carry over. Oof. So once I, once I realized that, I was like, and delete. I am not playing Horizon <laughs> until Forbidden West. Yeah, I'm not replaying. I'm not replaying this game to get to a point where I can do that. Nor do I want to, because I even if I did that, I'd want my Aloy to be like feeling nice and good and ready to yeah. go into that stuff. And I'm like, nope, not doing it. I'm fine. I was fine anyway. I'll be good. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Um, one thing that is uh, immediately blowing me away way more than what I remember is because of my TV. This game looks absolutely insane. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But, I mean, I've, I've like I say, I've played it before, so I don't really have too many new thoughts on like mechanics and stuff, especially because I'm right at the start of the game. Um, yep. But, again, I'm enjoying, like, I feel like I'm going to say this about all of the games, but I'm enjoying it so far, and I will continue to play it. Nice. Um, aiming to have it done by February 18th. Okay. That's a nice goal. Oh, I didn't need a cough. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, I committed the cardinal sin that you told me not to do. You right? didn't play Astros first? I No, I, I did play Astros first, but I played okay. like a tiny bit of it. I have not played. I told you to finish the game. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, yeah I, I didn't do that. Well, I started... well maybe, maybe not finish the game first, but like just play it first. Like I... I, I started to play it and I've I've gone through a bunch of what is it memory meadows is that the sure that, yeah I've gone through a a bit of that and then it popped up with a notification saying Miles Morales is installed I'm like yeah let's go and play that so I went to oh, Miles Morales instead okay <laughs> um, so like I'll go back and play at some point but like it was super fun what I played like I like it does a really good job of showing off what the dual sense can do even from just like that little bit I've played especially mm-hmm. in that like initial part where it's like hey move the controller and then you can feel oh the, my god yes little astrobots moving around I'm like this is dope and then that the, this kind of goes into like the my thoughts on the PS5 but because it's the first thing I played like when the controller is off like the the triggers are just they feel like regular yeah triggers. But when it's on and like they're actually like in a game where it uses yeah. them and stuff, like that's when they get the, yeah. the tension. Because I, I went to push it down. And I'm like, that's so difficult to push down. Like yeah. it's 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 very it's it's immersive, I think. Like really because when mm-hmm. like when you're doing something, it's like, you know, if I go and play if I were to play like just as an example, even though it's not on my Xbox yet, like if I were to go and play Deathloop on my Xbox, when I go to fire a gun. It'll just you know push down the trigger and fire a gun. It doesn't do anything. But on yeah. the PlayStation, like I can, I, I feel the resistance when I'm trying mm-hmm. to fire a gun. I'm like, that's actually really cool. Yeah, like, it is. It is yeah. genuinely cool. Um, so yeah, I again, I'm, I might go back to Astro's Playroom at some point. Not I'm, might you, you will. It's a cool <laughs> game. Okay, it, it's uh, yeah. genuinely a fun game. So yeah. go back to it. It doesn't even take long to play. 
yeah, I will I will do it at some point when I finish the litany of other games I have. Um, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, Miles Morales, I've been playing that. Um, I bought Well, I got the Ultimate Edition, which comes with Spider-Man Remastered, which I haven't touched yet. Um, nice. But uh, it plays a lot like Spider-Man, the 20, like 2018 Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm really enjoying Miles. I'm really enjoying his Venom powers. I'm really enjoying yes. the story so far. Um, and again, on the TV I have, it looks absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful game. Beautiful yeah, game. Like, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's super fun. Uh, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Like I I really really enjoyed 2018 Spider Man. So mm-hmm. I like th- this this was already like well, this is one of the first games I was picking up for BS5 when I got it. Yes. Uh, a game I I'm almost finished according to Tyler. Uh, yes, you are. Apart. Uh, apparently, I've got one mission left to go, so I could have just finished it before we started. But uh, I <laughs> went to go and watch The Mask. So <laughs> why The I Mask of all movies? Like I was like. Because I went to go and cook dinner or look, cook lunch. And then when I came back, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to play and eat at the same time because I'm like putting down the controller, picking up. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. Don't want to get your controller so, messy yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So I like, I went on Netflix and I'm like, hey, what's on Netflix? Oh, look, the mask. I like the mask. I'll just watch that. And then I just watched the entire movie. So, <laughs> um, but uh, I will, that's probably, that's probably the first thing I'm going to do when I, when we finish recording is go and finish uh, Rift Apart. Uh, Again, we talked about it quite a lot. After you edit this, right? Yeah. Oh, you said after we record this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's <laughs> what I mean. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it a bunch yesterday, so I'm not going to go too much into it. But mm-hmm. it, like, it's it's so good. It's it's it's, a, it's an amazing game. It's a hundred percent what I wanted it to be, and I'm I have had just the best time playing Ratchet and Clank again. So I'm. I mean, I'm going to be real sad when I'm finished it because I'm having a lot of fun playing it and it looks uh, insane on the TV. But mm-hmm. I, I feel Do like challenge that's... mode. Do challenge mode. That'll, you know, it'll be oh, yeah. more fun. It'll extend the fun. Yeah, exactly. I forgot about challenge mode. So yeah. Um, very good game. Would recommend having fun. Uh, game I've played for two hours today. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, I'm sure Tyler will be very excited to hear my thoughts on. I started Returnal. What are you thinking? Uh, what do you think it. of Returnal? I hate, I hate it. It's so bad. <laughs> I, like it's the worst game I've ever. No, it's very good. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, one thing I one thing I've noticed already is because again I'm going to keep going on with the TV, but because of the TV and it's quite a dark game anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the HDR is really making this game like very good Hot. looking, especially with all of the like super the, colorful orbs that are mm-hmm, flying around. The part, yeah, yeah. It it looks insane, um, and the dual sense with that game. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, the dual yeah. sense with Returnal. Um, I'm not actually a huge fan of like pressing the trip. Like I can't. I think it's the left trigger if you push it down to do halfway, the secondary. But, yeah, like because mm-hmm. I think it's just because I'm so used to like pressing Going. fully down to aim. So. Mm-hmm. And like, and I also don't like that. Like, even when you use your secondary fire mode, and you still hold down, you can't fire. Like, I wish that. Well, that's because the secondary is for the secondary. Yeah, I wish that when you push down the trigger all the way and you fire the alt fire, you could still continue to fire normally. Mm -hmm. Because I see. Yeah, again, it's just because I'm so used to pressing down the trigger all the way when I'm shooting. 
Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta get used to it with this because like when you go halfway, it does stop. Yeah, yeah, gotta, exactly. You put if like you have to push through to get to the secondary. So yeah. like you just gotta get in your head. Stop when it tells me to stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I do have a question though. So I I have died twice, I think. Okay. Um, obviously the first so the, the first one I died in like the first boss. Yeah, yeah, like that that mandatory one where like there's kind of no way for you to get past this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like um, title card comes up. Yeah. Um, the second time was just from a random enemy. But before I go and fight the boss, should I have gone into my house? You need to go into the house whenever it appears. Because when it appeared for me the first time, I went up to it uh, and the door was locked. So I went to go and find a key. And then when I was exploring finding the key, that's when I did. I came across the boss for the first death. Yeah. So then, no, you can't do it for the first time. I guess. I don't remember. It's been a hot minute since I played the game yeah. from the beginning. But anytime, like again, anytime that you see the house, you can go in the house. I'm pretty sure. Either you can go in the house whenever you see it, or you need to get a key first to go inside the house. But I mean, again, like you're just just go in every room. Yeah. Go in every room that appears when you are like running through. Go in every room before you go to boss fights. Um, because you want to be strong enough. You want to have yeah. like, you know enough weapons and perks and everything like that for the boss fights and future biomes and everything. So you'll know when you have, when you're like able to go into the house and stuff, but whenever the house appears, you need to go inside it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I'm liking or disliking the um, malfunctions mechanic uh, right mm-hmm. now. Cause the, I, in my opinion, the malfunctions I've gotten so far have been pretty bad. Uh, yeah, sometimes they could be like, ah, oh, like one one of them could be like, whenever you um you take damage, whenever you open a chest or whenever you use a key, it's just like, oh, son of a gun, to get rid of this. Yeah, I, I need to get rid of this. Yeah, I I got one that was um, you take damage every time you pick up an item. Uh, yeah, and they could be punishing. It, yeah, and it wouldn't go away until I pick up an artifact, and I couldn't find any artifacts. So yeah, it could they the the malfunctions can be punishing that's like that's part of like the again that's why part of why i like this so much like that risk reward it's like do i take the risk to possibly get a good reward and like maybe get a bad malfunction or maybe the malfunction won't be that bad and i can get something good out of it or maybe i just get something not good at all and this is just not worth it the risk reward is certainly enticing yeah um I can't remember what the first parasite I picked up did, but I know that I found one uh, when I was going through that I was like, why would I ever pick that up? Because it's like, it was take damage every time you pick up an item uh, in exchange for uh, like getting five or 10% more of like the gold currency. Yeah. Like sometimes, sometimes you'll see like the, the wrist thingy and you'll be like, all right, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, Yeah. But um, no, yeah, it's still I still really enjoy the risk reward. Yeah, um, I'm I, I am really enjoying the game so far. I'm I'm excited to play more. Like I said, I've only played maybe like an hour and a half, two hours at most. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 very excited to continue it because it is a lot of fun so far. Yeah. Okay, the last one I've been playing and the one that I I I have enjoyed the most. I'm the most excited to talk about is Final Fantasy VII Remake because. I, I have wanted to play this game since it was announced because I've never played Final Fantasy 
or well, uh-huh. I've never played Final Fantasy Seven. I've never played Final Fantasy in general. Apart, well, I've played like ten minutes of five, I think, or an hour of five. I can't remember. I played a little bit of five, but uh-huh. um, like ever since this was announced, I'm like, this is like a beloved game by like almost the entire gaming community. So I I want to play this game, and it never came to Xbox, and never came to Xbox. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'll just get it when I get, when I get a PS5. So it, mm-hmm. I think I think this was the second game that I bought, because um, I mean, like I said yesterday, I got Returnal and Ratchet and Clank from my sister for my Christmas, but I yeah. think I bought Deathloop, sorry, Deathloop, then Horizon, then Final Fantasy, and Final Fantasy I played like three or four hours, I think. I'm at the end of chapter f- three. So you all, so you're basically at the slums. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the slums. I, what was the thing? I've just, I, Tifa has just had the meeting where they like kicked her out of Avalanche. Like, I don't, I don't think they kicked her out of Avalanche, but I I know what meeting you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I am just going off uh, with what's her name? Jesse and the Jessie. crew. Yeah. So I'm just going off with Jesse because she has something that she needs to do before she goes on the mission. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's where I am. Um okay, nice, nice. Game. I I mean, like I said yesterday, I didn't think I was gonna enjoy this game in the slightest because from what I understood of Final Fantasy, it was like turn-based combat and like super heavy JRPG mechanics and stuff like that, which I know for a fact I don't like. But, yeah, not all not all of them are turn-based combat. Like they were traditionally turn-based combat up until I guess you could say 12. Well, I'm not counting, not counting 11, of course, up until like 12. Mm-hmm. 12, it's like 12 is kind of like MMO-esque combat in a sense. It's like real-time kind of MMO-esque in a sense. 13, it's still turn-based, but it's more action-y in a sense. It's hard to kind of explain. Um, I don't know about 13.2 or Lightning Returns. 14, obviously MMO right there. Um, 15, that is real-time action. That's action RPG right there. Um, but even though like each of the older games that even like all the games up to one through ten are like turn-based games, they each kind of like have a different approach to how they do their turn-based combat and all. So yeah, there there's there's stuff for there for everyone. Yeah, so I mean, once once I finish Seven Remake and the Intergrade DLC, I might go back and see and try other Final Fantasy games and just see if I enjoy them. Um, if you're interested in more action based combat, fifteen highly recommend PlayStation Plus Collection. Yeah, right there for you. Yeah, I I saw that on the PS Plus Collection. I'm like, okay, so if, if I like if I like Seven Remake a lot, then I'll go and play fifteen because it's it's there for free. Yeah. Um, but. Me and uh, like me and you were nerd right yesterday. The music in this game is absolutely oh impeccable so far. It is glorious. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord! The opening theme when you're on the main menu. Yeah. The music when like uh the bombing run music when you're when if uh, after the first cutscene and like you finally have control of Cloud. The battle theme when you first hear the, mm-hmm. the actual battle theme yeah oh my gosh it just it's hits so, so yeah. good the boss music it's all just amazing tifa's theme when it comes in mm-hmm. it's just lovely when you hear Aerosmith, theme it's just like yes yes give it to me give it to me um 
Yeah, I, I, you might not remember. Do you remember there's a side mission where you have to kill a bunch of rats in the slums? Yes. Yeah. Um, I was doing that side mission in the little bit where the rats are, and there was one rat left, and the battle theme was going. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want the battle theme to stop. So I just ran around a bunch, listening to the <laughs> battle theme with this rat chasing me. Um, but like the music in this game is so good so far. Like I, I'm. Like I don't want to say that's the standout like thing for me. It's because, one of the standouts. Yeah, for ex- sure, yeah, exactly. Um, the combat is super fun. Like I'm mm-hmm. loving using the it's the Buster Blade, right? Is the Buster Sword? Buster, okay, Buster Sword. Um, yeah, super dope weapon. Cloud is like I think he's like a little bit funny, but he seems like edgy goth boy, kind of. He. He's and he's an interesting character. Like yeah. they they definitely made him more of a person in this game. Like gave him more personality in yeah. a sense than he did at this point in the original seven. Um, I mean, even in the original seven, he's kind of just like, don't care about you guys. I'm out here just trying to get my money. Like I don't care about this. What you guys are trying to do? None of that. I'm out here. I just want my money. That's all I care about. Give me my money. Um. And there's there's like kind of, there's reasons for it. like you on what we'll we'll see like as seven remakes story goes on you find out why Cloud has been acting the way he is part of it is because that's just who he is that's kind of like how he is but it's also not at at the same yeah. time it's also a different reason too so yo we'll see if they actually stick to that but that's farther down the road like years away from where we are right now. <laughs> um... Yeah, one thing, okay, this is going to make me sound really dumb, but I need people to understand that I, I have had no interest in Final Fantasy up until now, so I, have no, I, have, I know nothing, right? But when you are running away from, um, what's the military's name? Shinra. Shinra. When you're running away from Shinra trying to get to the station to get back to the slums, and Cloud has those, like, is... I don't know if he's hallucinating or... He has the headache thing. Yeah. Um, when that dude walks in, I'm like, is that who I think it is? Wait, who? Giant sword, silver hair? Yeah. Sephiroth. You're thinking, is that... Yeah, that's Sephiroth. Yeah. I was like, what's Sephiroth doing in this game? I thought he was in a different Final Fantasy. No, that's Seven. Final Fantasy yeah. Seven. That's yeah, this I, game. I, I didn't know that because I'm dumb and I haven't paid no attention to Final Fantasy whatsoever. Um... But I was like, oh, damn, Sephiroth's here. He's like one of like video games, like iconic bad guys. Yep. And, and the, one of the, one of the community's um, industry's best games. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll see how that goes when, when I have to fight Sephiroth eventually, I assume. Um, that was, that's very funny. You didn't know yeah. he was in seven. That's funny. Yep. Um, but no, seven is super fun. I'm enjoying it. Do you have any more questions for me about my time with seven so far? Um, no, well, I do, but for the sake of time, probably not going to ask them. Yeah. Um, so I am, I'm just excited that you are enjoying it and enjoying all the games that you've been playing for sure. I definitely can't wait to hear updates on each of them, specifically Returnal and Seven Remake. Um, Rift, well, yeah, really, really each of them actually, especially each of the PlayStation ones, just because, yeah. you know, just want to hear updates on all of those. Um, so cool. Got nothing else to say about what you've been playing? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'll, I'll again because of time. I'll save my thoughts on the on the PS5 for a different episode. Okay, but are you base level? Are you enjoying it? Is it like meeting expectations? It, so far, I, 
I would so far I would say it's meeting, if not slightly exceeding my expectations. Nice. Nice. Okay. Fantastic. Um, I, I will say get yourself an external hard drive for your PS4 games. Any PS4 games that you have, get an external hard drive to pop them on. Because you know the the internal space, the internal storage is the biggest. Yeah. So you might want to get it external for your PS4 games because they still run just fine off of an external hard drive. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be honest, I was just gonna pick up a one terabyte NVMe drive and put that in and just use that for everything. I mean, you could do that too, you know. But I I specifically have my PS4 games on an external because they don't need to be on the internal. The internal is like the only the PS5 stuff could be on it. So I mean, it's up to you. Up to you how you want to approach it at all. Okay. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll figure out everything. Yeah. Um, all right. I've, I've played a couple games this week. You know, I Halo Infinite, I already mentioned. Returnal popped in it for a little bit just to have it um, fresh in my mind for Goaty's uh, conversation and all like that. Um, didn't do too much with it. Deleted it yesterday because I was like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> Don't need it back on the system anymore. Um, also needed space. Uh Talked about so I played Death's Door um over the break. I talked about that some yesterday because it was um in part of the conversation around Goaties. I enjoyed that game. It was definitely a really fun one, a really cool game. Uh so definitely again, if you want to hear some of my deeper thoughts on some of these games I'm about to mention, definitely go check out yesterday's episode because I talked about them some more then. Um, Metroid Dread was another one I played over the break, which was a strong goatee contender. Um and really, really enjoy that game. That was an amazing game. Really well-made game. Um, as my first Metroid game, very great start. Very good introduction to the series, um, especially the 2D side of the series. Um, so, again, I really enjoy that one. Go check out yesterday's episode. The uh, Not yesterday's, the Goaty episode for some more of my thoughts on it. I played Guardians of the Galaxy over the break as well. Um, I enjoy. I didn't talk about that much yesterday. I enjoyed the game. But like I would not give it higher than an eight. I I think for for me that like I I was listening to Easy Allies Frame Trap episode um this past week and they were on the episode they would end up talking about Guardians of the Galaxy and the guest that they had on was saying that saying stuff that I kind of agreed with being that being that um like they enjoy the writing like the banter between the characters which I thought was great um. At some points, it could get a bit annoying. I was like, all right, guys, like y'all, I, I get we're trying to be a funny game, but just like when every line is like trying to be a joke of some sorts, they're yeah. just at a certain point, it's kind of just like wears off. It starts to be a bit grating and annoying. Yeah, um, I get that. But like the banter between the characters in the um in the ship and everything is like how like you just be walking around, they just like lines of dialogues going and going and going. I was like, this is cool. I like how they have like like rapport and everything with each other and so on and so forth. Um but the combat, like, I agree with, like, what they were saying on the um, Frame Trap episode from Easy Allies, that the combat was just, like, it was fine. <laughs> the combat was fine. It wasn't, like, it didn't blow me away. It wasn't necessarily, like, exciting, per se. Um, it was serviceable to get the job done. And I don't think the combat really, um, really started to shine until the end of the game, when everyone had multiple abilities to use and all like that it was and it was at that point where it was like all right now i'm actually kind of like using people to their full potential and all and getting the most out of this because up to that point it, it was up to a certain point in the game it was more so just like pew, 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 pew. 
like Star Lord kind of like is not the most fun character to play as because he only has his guns and his punches really aren't all that great. Like it's it was weird. The combat was just fine, in my opinion. Um, but then like I also had like bugs, a, a fair amount of bugs with the game. Like for a good chunk of the game, I did not use the huddle because it was bugged for me. Like I would use the huddle Same. and then they would come on in and no one would talk. And it would like skip like two, three lines of dialogue and then a line would come up, but no audio would be behind it. And then like the audio would cut it halfway through it. And I'm just like, okay, I I guess I'm about to just wing whatever the answer is going to be here and see, yeah, what I, exactly. see what I get and all. So because of that, I didn't use the huddle for a good portion of the game. Um, which, you know, was which sucked because like the huddle is a cool mechanic and all. And that's how you end up getting being able to hear some of these awesome songs that are in the game and stuff. Um, so yeah, like that was a bit buggy and stuff. The, some of the like the sliding times were like you you're like you're sliding out, you gotta jump and everything, and then do, um land and every and all. Like some of those were a bit like not great for me. Like I would jump and I'm like, I'm jumping at the right time, but you're not grabbing or you're not you're not jumping with the momentum you need like that was annoying um don't know if this was a bug or not or just the game but you know how the game does that thing where this is the walk speed that we're in in this section you can't walk faster than this like that's fine in games but it was annoying because like they'd be walking at one speed and then run run stop run run, stop like yeah like stutter i was just like are you supposed to be running right now or are you supposed to be walking? Like what's going on? Cause this is very annoying. So I was just constantly dashing in areas where I could, because I was like, the walk speed is a bit too slow and you're not running, but sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. Yeah. It was really weird. Um, and then as for the story, I enjoyed the story. Um, although I wasn't fully enjoying it until I think you get to the, I don't know how much I can say. I don't know if I can say this because of a spoiler. I think this was already confirmed before the game came out, but I will be as vague as possible. I wasn't really, I was enjoying the story, but not as much as I really was until you get to um, the planet with the cave. Okay. The planet yeah. with that, I, I forgot the name of that planet. But once you get to there, that's when I think I started to really enjoy the story more because then you have some really great character. That's like the start of just a bunch of really great character moments back to back mm-hmm. to back to back to yeah. back up until the end of the game. Um, like prior to that, I enjoyed the characters and the story up to that point, but um, it was just fine. And then at that point on, I think that's when things got better for me with the game. It shows the story and the gameplay and the combat. I was just like, all right, now it's all starting to click. And I was like, man, I wish the entire game was like this. But it wasn't. Um, again, not to say I thought the game was bad. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, a sequel, I would definitely play a sequel. And hopefully a sequel um, starts off on the high note that the game ends on. Um, so yeah, well, it, I, that's my thoughts on that. I, I will say I do... The one mo- one of the moments I liked at the end of the game a whole lot. No spoilers. It's uh, it's it's like an album cover. <laughs> the scene is it, basically like an is album it, cover. Is it with the, the one with the flames in the background mm-hmm. and in the yeah. air? Like that yeah. was that moment happened. I was just like, ah, you got it. that was that's that's really funny. That's cool. He's just like, that was awesome. Yeah, that was yeah, totally yeah. metal. <laughs> you you mean the the most badass uh, screenshot I've ever taken on a video game console? 
I almost took a screenshot on it, but I didn't. <laughs> I almost did. I kind of wish I did, but I was just like, like, okay, that was cool. That, that, that was ha- super cool. That happened, and I'm like, that was one of the most badass things in any game I played this year. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. It was a really cool moment. But um, that was my time with Guardians of the Galaxy. And then the last game I played this week was Solar Ash, which I finished last night. And let me tell you, Solar Ash, uh, you can start the video if you have it in three, two, one, boom. Um, Solar Ash is a lot of fun. I kind of briefly talked about it yesterday, but I was not going to talk about more today because I have the video here. Um, so basically, Solar Ash, you play as this character named Ray, who's a Void Runner, and they come to this, they come into this thing known as the Ultra Void, which is sucking up her planet and going to destroy it and stuff. She comes here to find a way to stop the Ultra Void by activating this device called the Star Seed. Um, so the the game, it's the best thing about this game is one hundred percent its movement. As you see, like you kind of you skate around. That's like the main form of movement, the skating around, and all. And it feels so and fluid and smooth when you're moving around. Playing on PS Five, it's a nice solid sixty FPS. Although there are times where you might catch it in the footage where like the frame rate just drops to like, I don't know if it drops into the 40s or the 30s, but it, it definitely drops and you feel it. But it's never in a moment of combat. It's always typically like when I'm just like skating around the world and all. Yeah. Um, so the world is broken up into like different sections and each section you have to basically find these, I'll call them like cores for these massive anomalies that which the anomalies are called and does it like the enemies you find these you have to find these cores and you have to destroy the cores in order to fight the main boss in the area you fight the main boss and then that frees the area of like the corruption and stuff that's in the area this black stuff this black goop and it gives the star seed a bit of power so it's really simple you just go to one region you do that region you go to the next and do stuff there and each region has like stuff for you to explore and find its own story and some characters in it so like one region will have a woman and she's kind of like she's kind of lost into like mentally and everything and she's you're trying to like you can i it's not really helping her find figure stuff out but like as you do stuff you see her more and interact with her there are audio logs from other void runners that came to the planet with you like that were on their mission and all and then there are the cores that you see me, you know, attacking here and everything. And I destroyed this one and it opened up the eye of the boss for this region. Um, and I don't know if it act if he woke up just yet, like for me to fully fight him. Yeah. Um, no, not yet. Not just yet. I still have one more to do. But um, you see, like there's the pink stuff you to um that you can collect as well. You have your combat moves. Enemies are pretty easy to beat, and there's a variety of them. But they're all, um, some of them require a bit of strategy to take down. You have this move that you can do uh, where you kind of slow down time, like you see me kind of doing here, uh, called Time Slip, which you can use to uh, basically reach farther away objects, whether it be an enemy or like a thing, like a a latch on point to pull yourself towards. Uh, It's all really fun in um, execution, like when you're playing. And you're just like skating around at like full speed with the momentum and all. It feels good and it feels right. And it just feels you feel like you feel really cool 
doing it all. Um, and you'll see, especially during the boss fight that I'm going to end up in in a moment, um, I do it all in one go. I don't die. And I felt so awesome doing it. And you look really cool doing it as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And there's all these, um, all the little pink things that you can collect, the little pink orbs. You can collect those uh, to give yourself, um, when you go back to like your AI companion who has like a spot in each um, region of the world, you go to them and they can give you like another health cube, another health square. Okay. Uh, so like right now I have my one, I only have one left, but the two, um, I can fill those in if I pick up blue squares. The red ones, I need a certain amount of my, like the pink orbs to have my AI companion Sid give me a new pink, a new red pink square, whatever okay. you want to call it. Call it. Um, but yeah, this, the, the gameplay is really simple. It's not complex at all. Uh, the, the story, it's a, it's an interesting story. The world is intriguing. It's not like, um, I wasn't like super invested in the story, but it's, it's a simple story. It's a simple story that is definitely intriguing and the world is, um, intriguing as well as you kind of like learn more about it and all like that um and i'm kind of not mentioning it but I'm, it's kind of going to come up in a moment the cores that you have to destroy you kind of see me hitting like these blue like pillar pipe looking not yeah. pipe but like pill looking thingies so whenever you hit one of those you have to like hit a number of them in success in succession um in order to get to the core of whatever thing is you're going to destroy and once you hit it, you have a certain time limit you have before you have to restart the whole section over again. And that timer appears on the bottom of the screen. If you don't get to the next one and hit it in time, you just have to restart. Uh, simple as that. So some of them, they're like complex where like you have to, you're following the path. You just got to like go around and follow the trail and all. It could be a bit complex and all, but it's always like really fun. Um, but now this section here is like an example of a boss fight. So the boss comes up and you don't, I don't think you have to fight them right away, but I just always do. And the music kicks in. Not sure if you have the music on right now, Karen. Um, I do not. But, but the music is really good. Definitely play the music again later on so you can hear. The music, it's like typically um, just like atmospheric, but during boss fights, it gets really, uh, I guess, synth wavy-esque in a sense, and but it like really heightens the battles. And the boss fights, I like them to like Shadow of the Colossus, where you climb on top and then it's just a matter of following the trail like you have with the other things to take out each of the different points. And then you do it three times for each boss. You do it three times to take out each core, each core. Each time you do it, you remove some of their armor. And then after you do it three times and the boss is dead. Um, but you have to, again, you have to do it before the timer runs out because if the timer runs out, you end up getting hurt some and you have to just redo that section over again. And it's so much fun. I can't stress enough, like just watching it, it looks fun. But I just promise you when you're doing it and you're in the zone and you're feeling it, it just feels so damn good. And it looks so freaking cool. And it helps that the camera automatically turns around if the next point is like on a like behind you or on a different side the camera turns in that direction so you know all right i need to go this way yeah i'm it, solar rush is definitely a game that i'm going to be picking up 
for, uh, for the PS5. At some point, like I said yesterday, I really enjoyed Hyperlight Drifter, and this is from the same team, so I'm I'm definitely gonna be picking up this move. This like watching the gameplay just now was like making me want to pick it up sooner than I was originally anticipating for, but um, because I have so many games to play, probably not gonna be for a little bit. I will say this is a short game. You could beat it in like seven hours, okay, or less. It's it's a it's a short game. It's not long at all. Yeah. I don't know. I'll pick it up at some point. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really fun game. Um, definitely gave me heavy. I said it on Twitter. Gave me heavy Shadow of the Colossus vibes um, from again just from the boss fights, but also story wise too. Um, gave me heavy Shadow of the Colossus vibes. It also gave me some Gravity Rush vibes from like the fluidity of the movement and all, and the enemy designs. They kind of reminded me of the Nevi from Gravity Rush, um, and also Mirror's Edge again for like just how fluid the movement is and how easy it is how easy it is to do and uh how good it feels as well how good it feels how easy it is to do um just how cool you look doing all these different moves and just getting around the environment like getting around is genuinely a blast like similar to a game like spider-man where swinging around just feels good right away like skating around in solar ash just always always feels good so i definitely highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in playing it it's a lot of fun and that wraps up what i've been playing this week and i think that's gonna wrap up this episode of the play to win podcast um which probably ended up a bit longer than we intended it to um but it, it it was a fun one. It was a good one going through the news. Good one catching up on what Kieran's been playing uh, since he's been gone for quite a while. So again, very nice to have you back, my man. Very welcome having you here uh, and chatting about games with you. Um, so, you know, for sure, uh, definitely go check out the Goatee episode if you have not already. Uh, episode 40 of the Play With Podcast. And go check out this. Uh, go check out, of course, check out this one. You already listened to this one. Silly me. Um Go check out all our other stuff on our YouTube page. Go check out all our other podcast episodes. If you haven't already, go check out our reviews, our previews, all of our content on YouTube or at our site, playtowingames.wordpress.com. Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at playtowingame uh, for updates on the show. Let us know your goatees. Um, let us know, you know what games you're playing, uh, what you think of NFTs going on in gaming, so on and so forth. Let us know over on Twitter or Instagram or in the comment section of this video on YouTube. Um, like, share, and review, and comment here on YouTube. And subscribe on YouTube, turn on notifications, and also subscribe and like, comment, and review on uh, podcast services as well, because it's all very much appreciated. So thank you all so very much for all that. Ooh, that's a lot of words, Karen. <laughs> Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BadlyNet, B-A-D-L-Y-N-E-T, all one word. If you want to see a picture of like the full setup that I've got, I'll be posting that later today. Uh, so yeah, go check that out. Lovely. And you can follow me over on Twitter at TylerMiller2496. Uh, again, chat me about anything and everything. I'm always open for conversations. Thank you all so very much for listening and or watching. And we will talk with you all next time. Have a great one. Bye.